Welcome to If This Bar Could Talk, a podcast about bartenders and the stories they have to tell, as well as the storied history of cocktails, spirits, and bars. I'm Blair Beavers, and here's your host, Leanne Sims. Andrew Conley from Ampersand Asian Supper Club, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So we definitely want to talk about cocktails, but I want to start by talking about how awesome the food is at Ampersand. And I know, I know you have a sister restaurant um, that I've never been to. I think it's called Asterisk. In Westerville. Westerville. Yeah, um, home of Prohibition. Oh, yeah. Um, so my, my favorite thing, I think, at uh, Ampersand is the Fungus Among Us Ramen. It is so, the broth is just so rich and delicious. It is just amazing. Um, but so tell us about you. Um, what is your title at Ampersand? I think I am the bar director now. <laughs> definitely switched a few times during COVID. I think that's okay. what we landed on. And how long have you been in the industry? Probably since my sophomore or junior year in college. I started as a bouncer at Bar 145 up in Kent. Okay. Okay. It was Oh, that was a terrible job. <laughs> but after college, I got a job in an office, and I think I worked that for about 48 hours, and then I got a job at Union as a barback. Okay. So Union, that's pretty, um, that's a very high volume bar, right? Oh, yeah. Very high volume, very high energy. I think while I was there, they sold the most beer in all of Ohio. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. So yeah, then, then where did you go after that? After that, I went to the Athletic Club of Columbus downtown. Oh, wow. Fancy. Yeah. And that's where you that's where you started actually bartending or? Yeah, that's when I started bartending. I think a lot of us got hired on there doing various jobs with the promise that they would teach us to bartend. And I'm not sure how many people actually ever got taught. I think I only actually got moved up on the list because I was listening to the violent femmes of the time and the manager liked that. <laughs> and when was that? That was probably 2016 or 17. One of those. Okay. So what, what inspired you to, um, to become a bartender? I like the process of creation. Mm-hmm. Even the athletic club specifically, Jody, who was the head bartender at the time, had a whole cabinet full of just things that she used to make bitters. And that was a really fun cabinet to go through. And then they had a dungeon in the basement that was kind of a wine cellar. And it was full of bottles of old liqueurs that they'd used once and never again. And it was amazing going through all the different bottles, all the different flavors, thinking about what you can make with them. Oh, wow. That is pretty inspiring. So, to check out. so uh, what made you want to leave Athletic Club? Since it's a private club, you really get no cycle of guests. And I got tired of making Manhattans. Jody, the bartender who was the head, left before I left. She put out, I think, three new cocktails every three months. And they were very well put together. And each member maybe tried them once and never again. Uh, hmm. 
not very adventurous palettes. Yeah, that's a little disheartening because you're a creative person. And if people aren't trying your creations, I could see where that would be. That would be tough. What is your creative process, by the way? Just uh, finding fun stuff in dungeons? Oh, fun fun stuff in dungeons definitely is part of it. Um, Yeah, I guess that actually is it. I always would go through and just open up bottles and smell different things and try to figure out how I'd use them. I got the job at Hampersand specifically because of the the shelf that they have. The person who was there before me, Bismarck, he put together an amazing selection. Mm-hmm. That's why I even applied for the job because that is a place where I can just go and look at random bottles and figure out what to make. Mm-hmm. Since it's an Asian supper club, are you working with um, more Asian forward spirits and liqueurs? I've tried to. I've tried to bring a lot in. It's also hard to get some of them. Like no, I, I yeah, I have umashu on the menu, which apparently you cannot get imported into Ohio, so I had to make it myself. And what, what is that? That's been true. That is shoju, which has been soaked in ume plums, ideally for about six months, although ours is currently at about three. And even the ume plums are hard to get, especially off-season. How did you learn about this thing? This uh, When I was making the current menu, I wanted to have some actual Asian drinks and not old-school ones. I wanted things that were currently popular. I spent a lot of time stalking people's Instagrams downtown in different, like, different high streets in Asia, and I would look at the bar menus and pictures behind people taking selfies to figure out what ingredients were being used. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Very clever. Yeah. You're like a bartender detective. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I would try and follow bartending blogs for that, but I would get the same three drinks every time and it was all Midori. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you work with the chef much on the flavors and like, do you do pairings or? Oh, we have done pairings whenever whenever he gets a new menu item. We'll swap things back and forth and I'll try and do a pairing for that. I wish I could say that the food menu and the drink menu there were more closely tied together, but not really. The, the drink menu is just things I was excited about. And I'm sure his food menu is just stuff he was excited about. It would be really awesome to have a a coursed out menu with, uh, with a yeah. cocktail. I, w- I would sign yeah. up for that. Yeah, we've done that a few times. I think mostly just private events for people he's worked with in the past. Mm. Okay. So I know you you participated in a cocktail competition recently, which Blair judged. Um, yeah. How often do you do competitions? Uh, that was my first one since the apocalypse. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, not very often. Well, that's the first one I've judged since then, too. So. Oh, really? <laughs> Do you know how active that scene still is? I think it's good. Um, And and I think it's just a matter of rebuilding momentum now. Yeah, now that people can stay in the same room and actually have their mouths open. Right. Yeah. It's nice. Well, Blair, how did uh, Andrew do in the competition? He did great. I really enjoyed the cocktail. Tell us about what you made. I made something called the Autumn Jacket, named really for my partner. Her middle name is Autumn. 
It is blackstrap molasses rum, smoked suntory whiskey, togarashi and Vietnamese cinnamon simple syrup, and then roasted Thai chili bitters. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, and the, as I remember, the uh, the heat from the chili just just kind of pinched right at the end. It wasn't it wasn't super strong, but it was it was there. You knew that there was chili in that cocktail. Yeah, it was a nice nice tail. I was hoping. Yeah. No, I, it worked well. Is that something that you created yourself or did you purchase that, the bitters? Oh, yeah, I made those. How do you do uh, that? Um, I took, a, I think, an industrial torch, actually, and I charred the outside of the bitters. And then I put them in Everclear with allspice berries, cloves, and I think something else. Steeped them for about three weeks. The bitters themselves, I use one dash for every cocktail. They're incredibly strong. It's great. If really? you like spice, it's great. If it's, I was a little bit worried about giving that out to people in general because if someone didn't like spice, it could be horrific. So you mentioned the first ingredient, blackstrap molasses, something or another. What What is that? Oh, yeah, blackstrap molasses rum. It's a very dark rum from Cruzan. I think underutilized it's only $15 for a liter right now it's delicious really yeah it's a black strap molasses I'll have to try that yeah you definitely do so what was the criteria that you had to follow for the competition uh Blair you probably remember it better than I do but I think the criteria was just you had to use certain liquors laid out by Beam and Suntory and then no other liquors and do what you want it was very free form it was I there was kind of a theme of holiday cocktails. Um, not everyone really followed that. Not everyone even had fall wintry flavors, but that yeah. was kind of the theme, I think. Yeah, I tried to stick towards that. That drink is definitely not a summer drink. No, no. <laughs> it worked well. So Beam Centauri, that's a pretty broad portfolio. Um, did you already have something in mind when you... Like, were you thinking you were going to do rum and chose that rum or how did that work? I have used that rum in the past really just for personal things. And I love it. It's something that, like I said, I think is underutilized. So I was excited to actually put it out. I think it only got featured in one or two cocktails at the competition. Hmm. You might remember. That, and, I, that sounds right. Yeah. And the Centauri I used because it, accepts flavors so easily it's amazing to infuse there were a few people who used that as a split base to include uh, that whiskey of some sort in some way yeah it it's very good at carrying in foreign flavors so is is uh our competitions is that good practice is that something that you enjoy or what what's why do a competition yeah, I definitely enjoy it. It's good to get feedback from really all the other bartenders. The best part of the competition for me was the last 10 minutes after all the guests had had their drinks. And then people from all the bars I admired were cycling over to my table, asking me about drinks, offering theirs, trading tips. Fun. Good time. Fun. Yeah. I, so Blair told me about your cocktail when he came home. So, um, no, he was impressed by it. Do you ever see anybody, do you ever give somebody a cocktail and then 
see them go, ugh. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. I'm not sure how much you know about the about the menu at Ampersand, but it's pretty sweet. Mm. It's definitely the niche we're trying to fill in the short north. And if people don't like sweet cocktails and don't pay attention to the menu, they're often disappointed, unfortunately. So I don't like sweet cocktails, but I feel like if I tell you that, you could maybe pull back on some of the sweetness. Could you not? Oh, yeah, we definitely can. And there are things that you can get that aren't very sweet or not sweet at all. But we have something called the Talofofo, which is a Guamanian cocktail, and it is full of all of the cash crop juices from Guam. So it's incredibly sweet. And people will get that and then sneer at it trying to figure out why it's so fruity. It's four fruit juices in vodka. (laughs) Not sure what they're expecting. (laughs) So it's not offensive to a bartender if someone says, hey, this looks good, except that I don't want it this sweet or I don't want it this tart. Uh, Not to me. Not everything is for everyone. And Mm -hmm. part of the process is being able to accommodate different people. That's cool. So are you the bar director just at that location or are you the bar director for both locations? I'm just at Ampersand. I think Stephen Riska is at um, Asterix. Okay. And he was right next to me. He had the, yeah. Yeah, the creamy root beer drink. Yep. Ooh, He's pretty great. talented. That sounds delicious. It was pretty good. It had a very interesting texture. Hmm. Yeah, there were a lot of great cocktails that night. It, it was not easy on us judges. Speaking of which, I actually did not get to see who won because I think I was making drinks for someone. Um, who took the top three? Um, Do you remember? Soul was the winner. Soul was the, was the overall judge's choice. And I can't remember who the runner-up was now. And I, uh, Alibi was the... Um, the people's choice, the fan favorite. Yeah, I heard good things about them all night. Yeah. So. Did you get the opportunity to taste anyone else's cocktails? Yeah, I tasted a lot of them. And I wish I could remember which one went to which bar at this point. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, it, it starts to blur after a while. It definitely took notes. <laughs> I also never had the opportunity to walk around to the tables. These were all drinks getting brought to me. Mm. And as the night wore on, the people bringing me drinks were increasingly unreliable. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I just kind of took what I got. That's cool. I know, I've noticed that um, we've seen uh, Ampersand at uh, a few of the mm-hmm. uh, cocktail competitions that we've we've been to. So I, I think it's cool that you guys participate, particularly because it gives you the opportunity to showcase your bar. Cause a lot of people might not know just like our cocktail tour. That's why we do that to show people yeah, that you're there cool. and that you make amazing cocktails. Mm-hmm. And Amber Saint hasn't been there that long. How is business? I know, you know, pandemic, it's like, it's hard to know, are yeah. we in the pandemic? Are we out of the pandemic? How, how are things going? They are not quite where they were before the pandemic, but they're a lot better. We're no longer worried every week about shutting down, which is nice. 
Oh, good. That's good. I mean, especially during the protests and during the pandemic, I think we worked for three or four weeks with boards over all the windows and complete dark. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was an interesting time. I bet. But things have definitely picked up. Well, that's good. good. Things have picked up to the point where we actually are probably now chronically understaffed, which I get the feeling is most places that are still open. I think so. Yeah. We're hearing that a lot. Why do you think that is? I mean, I went through a bunch of people that I used to work with and tried to reach out to them and hire them. And a lot of the people that used to be reliable in in the industry during the pandemic found other jobs. I don't know how many of us actually got support by the bars we were working with through the pandemic. And I know it was almost impossible to get, um, what was that? Unemployment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people, people who had the ability to move on, move on, moved on. People do what they have to do. You don't have to take care of themselves. It's yeah. painful to see that because I know we, we lost a lot of great bartenders to, mm-hmm. to other industries. Um, but you know, it's, that's, it is what it is. So I hope that, you know, we learn a lesson from this and, and uh, treat people right. I hope so. And Megan, the owner, she was pretty great in the pandemic. Early on, she passed on all the food that was going unused to all her employees. She offered us money if we needed it. I thankfully had a stash, so I didn't need much of it. But yeah, I got a lot of support for from her. Well, that's, that's awesome. amazing to hear. Good for her. She looks like a sweet person, and I guess she actually is. She is. She's one of the few owners that I've actually worked side by side with. Amazing. So that that probably makes you loyal to her then, right? Yeah. That's that, awesome. And um, she offers amazing creative freedom. That's Very cool. little second guessing. Yeah, that's helpful too, especially when you're, you know, in there trying to give it your best and try to create things that'll be exciting for your clients it's nice to have the freedom to and the support to know that what you're doing is appreciated and and accepted that's awesome it definitely is what is your um what is your favorite cocktail to drink at this point probably a negroni Mm -hmm. okay it's a good mix of sweet and bitter is there a particular spirit that you like to work with i mean whiskey is always good workhorse I got really into gin right before the pandemic. Now I'm finally trying to use vodka and shochu. Previously, I've kind of ignored them since they don't really have much of a flavor of their own. And I didn't think they were that interesting. And I'm trying to trying to walk back on that. Mm. What is shochu? Uh, shochu is... The stuff we have is a barley spirit, but it is kind of shochu is Japanese, shoju is Korean. It's kind of like a lower, um, lower proof vodka. Okay. Okay. Are you having a lot of requests for low proof cocktails or zero proof cocktails? Uh, no, I mean <laughs> not a lot. I get some mocktails, but it's often people who are pregnant who have not told everyone in their party yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we give them camouflage cocktails. 
Yeah, I I heard about a, a new bar that's opening up that only does zero proof cocktails, which is kind of cool. Interesting. Yeah. Place. I don't I forget the name of it. I don't remember. Um, yeah. but it's here in town and it's I think it's it's either opening soon or has already opened. Yeah. I know you've had Riley on your podcast before. Riley yeah. Robson, yep. Yeah. She's out in California now. Last time she was here, she was telling me she was working in a bar that was mainly working with vermouth because they couldn't get a full liquor license. Interesting. Yeah, sounds like an interesting challenge. Yeah. I love vermouth, all vermouth. So that would be, yeah. that would be fun. Yeah. We've thought about doing a cocktail competition where we pick like some, the worst of the worst, uh, spirits like what's malort hard to work with spirits <laughs> yeah difficult to work way. with to see just how creative people can get to make it taste good that would be fun <laughs> i think one of the first cocktail competitions i did i did with middle west and they they told us to think of cocktails that we hated making and try and improve them mm. what did you make uh, that was the first one I'd ever done. I don't think I was very creative. I think I did a twist on a French 75. Mm, nice. What, uh, I think most bartenders would say they hate making mojitos. That's what I've heard. I've made my peace with that. <laughs> we have something on the menu called the Chi, which is a mix between a mojito and a caparena with passion fruit in it. And, I make it like 30 times a night. It's just routine now. Mm. Long Island's yeah. I think are one of the worst. That's not tasty. Are there any bar stories that you want to share with us? Do you have anything in particular that... I remember when I was working at the club one day, uh, you have to enter through the back there, the servant's entrance. You can't go through the front, which is in an alley. And I was stumbling in earlier than I normally was. So I was definitely hungover. And when I looked up at the roof, there was a guy with a rifle looking down at me. And for a few seconds, I was worried that I was going to die and realized that in this alley, there was really nowhere to go. And I wasn't in running shape anyways. So I just continued on to work. And I think it was Steve Mnuchin who was there that day. And the guy on the roof was apparently Secret Service. And I had not been reading my emails. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Unexpected. So how what's it like being a dad to a new baby in, in your industry? I think for the first year I was going through sleep psychosis. <laughs> that happens with any parent. Yeah. Yeah, my partner Turquoise would get mad at me because I would come home at one in the morning and the baby would wake up and I would sit and talk to the baby and make faces at her and hype her up. And I had to stop doing that. So what's next for you? What are you, are you going to, um, are you sticking with ampersand? Are you going to make a career of it? Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think like a lot of people who are actually serious about bartending, I would 
really like to eventually open my own space, but I know the cost of liquor licenses and I know that's not realistic anytime in the future. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So do you it have... It would be great if you could, though. Oh, it definitely would. I'd be excited about that. Would you... It used to be an empty place on High Street that's about the size of a shoebox that I was watching for a long time. I think it was empty for about two years, but now it's a barbershop. And I'm guessing because it's the short north, in two years it'll be torn down and be high rises. Or the rent will be so expensive that it would be yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, completely impractical. So you, you definitely want to open a place here in Columbus? I would like to eventually. That's cool. What type of bar do you envision? What's Andrew's bar going to look like? Partially because I was building my mind or my idea around this tiny place. I was thinking minimalist seating and really compact as you could get it and only drinks. There was no room for a kitchen in that space. Mm. I like the setup that Bottle Shop has where they had the partnership with the food truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I used to live across the street from there, and I would get dinner at that food truck probably two nights a week mm. for about two years. It's good stuff. It is. So what would you, so other than not having food, what would you do differently at your bar that you're doing now? Anything? Much first, faster rotation on the cocktail menu. Mm. How often do you rotate yours now? Right now, um, the last one was on, I think it was also lengthened because of the pandemic, but that one was on for almost a year, which I was very upset with. Mm. The current one's been going for about three months at this point, and I'm hoping to replace it at the six or eight month mark. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Are you are you doing seasonal or what do you what do you want to do? I thought about doing seasonal, but if I want to have them on six to eight months, that's a lot longer than a proper season. Mm-hmm. But I think for the next menu, I'm trying to look a lot more into how Japanese whiskey is used because there's not a lot of whiskey in our current menu. Mm. That'd yeah. be great. Yeah. Yeah, I want to expand that. I want to keep one or two of the current favorites on the menu and I think there are 16 drinks I'm hoping to get around five make 11 new ones what's your what's your favorite um, cocktail on your current menu uh, the one I'm most proud of the one I enjoy the most is called the Nactong it's a shochu chuhai made with a house-made roasted mango CBD soda. Mm. Yeah, very happy about that. Say the name of it again. The Nectong. Nectong. Yeah, all of the current drinks are named after trade rivers in Asia. Oh, wow. Interesting. Whose idea was that? That was mine. Very cool. I love that. Yeah, the original bartender had drinks that were named things like the gardens of Hiroshima and the samurai and some people were very uncomfortable ordering them it was interesting 
they were uncomfortable. Why? I don't understand. I'm not sure. The longer the longer the name is, I've found the less people are interested in getting a drink. If it's a three or four word phrase, people are not excited about it. I see. Mm. I see. Because you do you think they're embarrassed to? I think they're worried things? about mispronouncing things. Gotcha. And yeah. yeah, I think that's mainly it. That's why I always point. <laughs> I want this one. That's good move. I always just tell people to bring me what they like. Yeah. yeah. So can somebody come into your bar and just say, make me something uh, sour or sweet and with whiskey? Yeah, definitely. One of the things I liked about the athletic club is they hosted weddings on their second floor. So every Saturday I would get about 300 new people to experiment with. And yeah, I went through a process of asking people if they want light liquor or dark, if they want to eat sweet, sour, booze forward, whatever. But I made a nice little decision tree to make a lot of different drinks. Oh, that's cool. That's great. Yeah, that was fun. So that must have been an interesting place to work, the athletic club. For people who don't know, um, who are listening to our podcast, it's a, as you mentioned, a private club in downtown uh, Columbus. It's an old place. Um, I assume uh, wealthy people and a lot of events. Yeah, fairly wealthy. Whole The whole second floor was dedicated to events. They have... A private bar on the first floor, a private coffee shop, a bowling alley with a bar in the basement. I think um, including the basement and the sub-basement, it's eight stories total. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's enormous. So tell us. They have a full gymnasium on the top floor, and once a year they would host boxing matches where they would bring college kids in from all over the country, and they would build bars on the gymnasium floor that was an interesting time Hmm. wow so tell our listeners where they can find you what are your hours at ampersand and tell us about your happy hour if you have one uh my only off days are sunday and monday and tuesdays and wednesday wednesdays and thursdays i'm there for like 13 hours a day so you can always find me every other night i'm there after five and happy hour is three to six. We have a bunch of like appetizers that are cheaper. The beer is cheaper. The sake is cheaper. And then we have four specific happy hour cocktails. One of them that I'm very proud of, the Shanano, is a whole egg cocktail that's based on a Tamazaki from Japan. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah, it's Hotel Tango Whiskey or hot sake, a whole egg, and then a simple syrup that I made with coffee. Nice. Nice. It's sort of like a latte, but Hotel Tango whiskey is amazing. Not very well used in Columbus yet. Hopefully Mm. it'll make the move in. Cool. That sounds fun. All right. Anything else you want to share with us, Andrew? Any other stories? I remember my first week working as a bouncer at Bar 145, we were trying to clean the bathrooms and couldn't get one of the stalls open. And it was probably an hour and a half after close. So what, three or four in the morning at this point. 
and someone finally climbed the stall and went over and they found a person draped over the toilet half naked and completely passed out. And once we woke them up, they just got up, called their friend like if this was a weekly occurrence <laughs> and walked out. Oh, <laughs> that, was, that was an in- interesting introduction into the world. That was not something you see every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet not. Oh, my gosh. That's, That's awesome. so crazy. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. Or there was the time in the athletic club when they were doing construction and they unearthed a room that was just mirrored walls and a baby's crib. And I'm sure I'm haunted now because I know about that. What? Huh? Like I said, it's a very big building. And it's, <laughs> it was originally built in, I think, 1912. So there have been lots of different people building and closing up rooms. And there was one that was closed up who knows how long. But when they opened it, it was just all mirrored walls with a crib in the middle. Hopefully it was just storage, but it's a weird sight to open up. Oh, I bet. Yeah, that's creepy. It's like a Stephen King novel. Yeah. (laughs) Crazy. Yeah, I'm not sure if I believe in ghosts, but I definitely tried not to be the last person in that building at the end of the night. Oh, really? Mm. Were there a lot of ghost stories from there? Oh, yeah, there were a lot of ghost stories, and it is an old building, so lights flicker off and on all the time. And one day I came to work, and in one of the rooms upstairs, they just found a huge puddle of blood. What? Yeah, it was a carpeted room, and it was enough blood to sit on top of the carpet, and no one had been notified about it. It was... It was a disturbing amount. Someone had to go to the hospital for this. Wow. Goodness. Hmm. I think they spent like a week trying to figure out where it came from. And the last thing that had happened and there was a child's birthday party. And obviously people were watching for injuries there and nothing happened. So no one knows about that. Huh. That's crazy. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for being our guest. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule of being a dad and a bartender. Sorry about the background noise. That's quite all right. Not a problem. Thank you. And we we look forward to seeing you very soon on our cocktail tour. Yeah, I'm happy that that's happening again. Yeah. Yeah, We took a decently long hiatus. Well, thanks again. We appreciate it. Listeners, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Seabus Craft Cocktail Tour. Visit our website at ColumbusCraftCocktailTour.com for cocktail tour dates, women and whiskey tastings, special events, merchandise, and if you're looking for a gift for that special person in your life, get them a gift card to our cocktail tour. Thank you to the biographer for our original music. And please remember to drink responsibly and be cocktail curious. Cheers. Cheers.